John. 14. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 290 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and a special message for Rivers Cuomo. You will know if I want to destroy your sweater, because it will be on fire and you will be wearing it. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I was just going <laughs> to do that, Pat. <laughs> they And the line in the sand is drawn. Motherfucker. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I hope that was a nice little tip to what we're talking about this week. <laughs> Setting people on fire. Yes. Yay. People we have set on fire in our youth and people who are setting on fire. Still not going to talk on... about that. No. Okay. Um, we're talking about Weezer Sings the 80s. Uh, they Back in January, Weezer came out with a Teal album, which was all cover songs. And uh, we decided we haven't done another cover song uh, episode in a while, so we jumped on that. And uh, the previ- the ne- then is going to be all songs from uh, then, like we do. <laughs> yeah, that's usually how the yeah. show goes. Completely ran out of steam there. Um, do you smell toast? I smell toast. Uh, if you like toast, you might like the shows on the Podcast Collective, such as... Toast. The Sunshine Happy Pants Hour with Joel. Tales from the Hard Side. The Dog and Deuce Show, and of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour. Put an egg on it. If you're looking for our older stuff, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse, FM, Noon FM, Podchaser, Spotify, and all sorts of places, that's where we are. Uh, and uh, give us a call, 708-NOW-RAP, 708-669-9727, if you would like to complain about anything. <laughs> Please. If you would like to complain to HR, yes. press 8. Yeah, I'll give you... I'm HR. That makes me sad. I don't want to hear any more complaints. <laughs> Toby is waiting for your call. <laughs> Fucking Toby ruins everything. <laughs> Get out of here, Toby! That that show made me so sad. <laughs> so I'm like, am I a Toby? I don't want to be a Toby. No, you're a Holly. Toby. What does that mean? What does that mean? That, that you're I'm charmingly a... funny and cute? I always saw him as more of a Philip. What? I just reached for this first name that came to mind from the office. I'm trying to think who we are, and that's like the last person. Who the, the hell world. is Phyllis on the office? I've only no, seen Mike, like Mike is Andy Bernard, the Nard Dog. And wait, what? <laughs> I could, I could maybe buy that. I could maybe buy. That. I think I'm a strange hybrid of Stanley and Shrewd. With some Creed. Nah, nah. With a little bit of Creed, yeah. <laughs> I was I was gonna say Creed. <laughs> oh, he's the, oh Ed Helms character. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah. I like Ed Helms, I'll take that. So then that would make Patrick plop? <laughs> <laughs> what doesn't make Patrick plop? <laughs> I'm obviously Michael Scott because I'm the talent. Oh yes, that's it. Oh Jesus. He's got the mug that he bought himself. Exactly. I put you more as Oscar Martinez. I I'm I'm still the record holder for Dundee's in this group here so so wait does that make me kevin wait what is the record for <laughs> dundee's dundee's he, he's not familiar with the office i know he's not i hate oh, you all that episode you should really see phyllis <laughs> <laughs> he's so matronly uh, you're joel is ryan oh god no <laughs> Shit, now I gotta watch all this. Jesus. I don't know if you're insulting me or not. Urge to Creed Rising. Holy shit. I think it's about that time. Please. I'm thinking it is. This week 
in music, movies, and TV. <laughs> All right, so. Well, it was that or Toby, Joel. So. Uh, well, I could I could maybe get behind uh, Toby slash Kevin, <laughs> but mostly Toby. I thought it was about that time. <laughs> it is. I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> I want to. I want to be in. We're in the tweet. We're in the tweet. We're in the tweet. Okay, February twenty fifth, nineteen eighty five. The release of "Everybody Wants to Rule the World" by Tears for Fears, which is one of the songs right. we'll be covering tonight. Damn well it is. All right. So music. The number one song in the land was "I Know Him So Well" by Elaine Page and Barbara Dixon. Why do I not know that song? I had no idea what song this was, and I listened to it, and I still had no idea. I have no idea. This was like a, a song that was somehow number one that I'd never heard before. Who's Elaine Page? I don't know who any of these people are. Know who Elaine Page is? Look her out. You'll be like. I, I'm looking at her. She, she looks like this looks like Barbara Mandrell twins. Yeah, they yeah. look very 80s. Yeah. They got shoulder pads and giant poofy blonde hair. They look like, they, they, they look like you know, Anne Murray would be one of their influences. They like Anne, Mur- Anne Murray and Barbara Mandrell, as you said. Yeah, they look like the perky secretary from an office movie in the. But 80s. I've never heard that song before, and it, and I don't really want to hear it again. It wasn't very good. What the hell, it 1985? Sa- it sounded like one a filler song that was written for like you know the Karate Kid soundtrack. Just saying. I sure. We could move on if we want. Oh, okay. Just looked it up. Uh, yeah. it's from the movie. It's from uh. Chess. One oh. nine and oh no. That makes a little more sense at yeah. least. There was another song besides right. One Night in Bangkok. <laughs> I thought right? I just sang that over and over and over again. That's the entire musical. Oh, the <laughs> it was fine the first time, but he's like, Can I get a break? Get your ass back out there, sing it again. Three hours of this? <laughs> people playing chess over one night in Bangkok. I'm really confused. All right, so on February 26th, it was the 27th Grammy Awards. Cindy Lauper won Best New Artist. Tina Turner won Album and Song of the Year. And other winners included Merle Haggard, Michael W. Smith, Weird Al Yankovic, Quincy Jones, and Randy Newman. That does not sound like a real thing. No. <laughs> that is but a- it, it, yeah, I, I found all those names, in the, it, and I was like, well, these are some fun names to include. Yeah, so you know what, though? I would go real. see that concert. If that was the oh, lineup yeah. for a concert, I would be like, Hell I'm in. yeah. I want to see Michael W. Smith and Merle Haggard sing together. That would... <laughs> when Randy Newman comes out and he's like, short Christian's God. No <laughs> Merle Haggard just beating the crap out of Michael W. Smith. <laughs> and Weird House is eating popcorn on the side watching. Yeah. And Quincy Jones is at home going, fuck that noise. <laughs> Him and Tina Turner are sitting. <laughs> uh, wow. All right. Hit it up, Joel. I want to see this. Right. Yulia Oleg... Oleg... Ole! <laughs> Olegovna uh, Volkova, born February 20th as a Russian singer, recording artist, and actress, best known for being a member in the Russian group girl group Tattoo. That's T-A-T-U, not the acronym of the week. Along with Lena Katina. The group signed a record deal with Patrick Whaley, Universal <laughs> Music, Russian... What? Damn it. The group signed a record deal with Universal Music Russia's sub-label Interscope Records in 2001. Can't mouse over it when I'm trying to. Sorry. I mouse over Tattoo. You already said that. It was Patrick that I was. Oh. 
Yeah, I did that by accident. Voicing my frustration. Uh, Ephraim Zimbalist was a concert violinist, composer, <laughs> teacher, conductor, and director of the Curtis Institute of Music. Zimbalist married the famous actress. Um, damn it! Now you got me all messed up. Zimbalist married the famous American soprano Alma Gluck, who died in, in 1985. Three months later, realized it was actually Martin Short. <laughs> His and Alma's son Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. And their granddaughter Stephanie Zimbalist both became popular. I w- that's why I was confused at the beginning. I'm like, Ephraim Zimbalist is an actor. And I was like, oh, see. There you go. What, where have you gone? The music is like all over the place this week. Yeah. The, yeah. Merle Haggard. And finally, David Garrick, better known as David Byron, was a British singer and songwriter, best known as lead vocalist for Uriah Heep. Byron sang on 10 Uriah Heep albums. Byron was a hardcore drinker, which eventually led him to being sacked from Uriah Heep at the end of a Spanish tour in July of 1976. Byron died of alcohol-related complications, including liver disease and seizures, at his home in Berkshire on February 28th. He was 38 years old. Damn. Damn. That's young. Uriah Heep is a terrible name for a band. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I knew about Uriah Heep. I just learned there there were 10 Uriah Heep albums. Well, yep. give, give me a popular Uriah Heep song because I am not coming up with nothing. Anything? I'm looking. I don't know. I don't know their music really at all. I just know where Uriah Heep. The name is a, a a witch from the Salem witch trials. I just wondered if they had like a song that was ever on the radio or anything because I've heard of them, but I, I just don't know. Oh uh, yeah, Lady in Black. Do we- is dancing with you. No. <laughs> I don't think that's it. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Keep talk amongst yourselves. Did yeah, they ever win the uh, Eurovision test? <laughs> no. Yeah, that's that's gonna be the only song that I've heard of. But like, seriously, how fucking hardcore of a drinker are you if you can kill yourself with alcohol by your by your thirty eighth birthday? Well, I mean, he apparently, you know, he had a he was fo- dedicated, he was focused. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Lady in Black. Here we go. Wait, how much of an alcoholic do you have to be? To get kicked out? Sorry. Whoa, Jesus! How much of an alcoholic do you have to be to get kicked out of a rock band? <laughs> what the rock band says, you know, you gotta <laughs> like, like, dude, you're a bad influence on us. You gotta go. Right, Keith Moon's like, hold my beer. Hang on, let's see. Here's 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 Lady in Black. Alright, I don't know what's put I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that song. I kind of nothing. Yet? Really? Am I the only one that's ever heard that one? I think you may be. Yeah, because oh. I don't. I like. It, like I said, I'm not familiar with any of their stuff. I just know the name of the band. Yeah, I knew. I, that's exactly it. I can never. You put a Uriah Heap song on, I would never be like, oh yeah, hey, cool, Uriah Heap. So. Turn it up, man. <laughs> yeah, I no. vaguely remember hearing that they were. Uh, folksy progressive hard rock with a lot of like almost D and D fantasy type influence. It I, sounded yeah, kind of like a like a gypsy rock. Yeah. yeah. So like if Jethro Tull and Led Zeppelin had a baby or something. Oh, yeah. Ooh, actually, wow. That's, that's a pretty good description. Yeah, we might actually be getting. Are we are we suddenly Uriah Heap fans? <laughs> I think we are. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I gotta check them out now. All right. <laughs> Moving on to movies. It's gonna be all we play in the hotel room at Gen Con. <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop Fever was sweeping the nation as the movie was in the middle of a 10-week run at number one. A lot of bananas in the tailpipe. Not going to fall for any banana in the tailpipe. 
On February 24th, Yul Brynner reprised his role of the King of Siam in The King and I on Broadway for the final time. A career-long run in the role had earned Brynner not only international acclaim, but an Academy Award and multiple Tony Awards. I like Yul Brynner. I do, too. We still need to do the Westworld show. Talk about an iconic role, though. Oh, yeah, completely. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And finally, movies released this week included The Sure Thing, Missing in Action 2, Brazil, and the acronym of the week, TPROC, which I'm pretty sure stands for Tito Puente Rides Old Cock. (laughs) Oh, my Jesus. (laughs) Did you foolishly take a drink or a smoke right as I was going to do the acronym? As you started that bullet point, I I took a big hit, and I I don't know what I was thinking. Oh, oh, that was hard to hold in. I almost died. (laughs) Never take a drink during the acronym. Ever. I just, I didn't even think about it. I just wasn't looking ahead or nothing. I almost killed myself right there. Oh, God. Background Pat has made an appearance. Oh, it burns. No. That was the purple rose of Cairo. I've been doing that to you guys for like 20 years. (laughs) Close to 25 now. I know. Oh, Jesus. I was not expecting a Tito Puente reference. (laughs) I think that that was the thing. Tito Puente. It's so often that Tito Puente comes up in our conversation. (laughs) Oh, Tito. Oh, Oh, Tito. Tito That's the third time I've almost died by Tito's hand. (laughs) Not just his hand. I don't even know the words. I just hear the damn guitar. <laughs> right, so. Uh, so TV, the top shows in the land were a very 80s Cosby show, Family Ties, Murder, She Wrote, and 60 Minutes. Yeah. Uh, Clarence Charles Ducky Nash was an American voice actor. He was best known for being the original voice of the Disney cartoon character Donald Duck. He died of leukemia on February 20th. <laughs> God, that was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Tito, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Zombie Joel Osteen. <laughs> oh, Give Me a Break aired a live episode on March 2nd. Really digging through the trivia this oh, year. It was, it was wow. a tough week. Wow. Oh, man. Rerun's like, I got to do this live? <laughs> no, that's not. That's What am I thinking of? Not give, me, give Me a Break was Nell Carter. Oh, okay. What, what am I thinking of? What's happening? What's happening? Yeah, well. Uh, Robert Michael Ehler, born March 2nd, is known for his portrayal of A.J. Soprano on The Sopranos, which aired on HBO from 1999 to 2007. Great show. Never finished the entire run, but I loved all the seasons I was able to watch. Well, then between the two of us, we probably watched the whole run. Because I watched the, the last, I think, two seasons when I moved home uh, when my father got ill. Because he was in the middle of watching it, so I finished it with him. But so you've seen the beginning, and I've seen the end. So yeah, I watched the first it. several seasons. What's that? And I've seen all of it. I want to watch the whole thing because it's you know it's it's on my it's on the queue of things to watch. And I'm on the, the other wire. side of the spectrum. I've seen none of it. <clears throat> what? <gasps> yeah, oh, I own the first two seasons on DVD. Ooh, good stuff, Maynard. All right, we're moving on to sports. Sports. Former Indiana head coach Bob Knight had perhaps the most iconic ejection in college basketball history on February 23rd when he threw a chair across the court in a game against Purdue while disputing a foul call. In all, three technicals and an ejection were given to Knight only five minutes into the game. Oh, jeez. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well. and 
everybody but his players were su- were surprised by it because after the game they're all like, "Yeah, he throws chairs all the time in practice." <laughs> go big or go home. Bobby <laughs> Knight Ranger. <laughs> Do you guys know? I mean, are you guys familiar with that? You heard that story about Bob Knight throwing the chair? I, I, knew. I, yeah. I knew it was a thing. Yeah, yeah, that that happened this week. And then this story is great. On February 20th, moments after defending his WBC flyweight championship, Sergeant Cheetah. Wait, wait, what? What is the name? Oh, Sot. Oh, that's Michael right. He was Sot. he was he was Filipino. That's right. Sot Cheetah Dilla's check for 104,000, the winner's check, was stolen by a ringside pickpocket, along with $850 in cash and some credit cards. But what do you do with that check? <laughs> well, here's my here's my thinking on this because. I read up on this because I was like, that sounds kind of interesting. And what happened was his one of his entourage, after he won and everything, they were already holding on to his wallet and his watch and all his, you know, his personal effects because they didn't want to leave him in the locker room and all that. And he said in the throng of crowd and everything on their way out, some dude came up and like jostled him and mugged him, picked his pocket and stole everything and ran. And he chased after him and he lost him in the crowd and whatever. So I think this guy just took off with all the stuff and was like, Oh, somebody mugged me and took it all. I couldn't catch him. Cause I mean, why would you run off by yourself and not like grab like three people? Hey, let's go get this guy. Mm. Mm. I tried to chase him down boss. Yeah, but he got away. I don't know what to tell you. Womp, womp. you better get him to better get him to draw up another check. And you just hurry and run and cash your check as fast as you can. Yeah. If it's a real pickpocket, imagine the balls on that dude, right? <laughs> of steal- all the people in the room, you're going to rob steal from the guy who literally just won a contest for beating well, someone up in on. Okay. Well, here's the thing. How many rounds did that game go? I mean, you're probably looking at him and he's sweating, worn out, beat to shit. He's probably the weakest one in the room right now after getting the crap beat out of him for how long. Yeah, but his whole entourage, I mean, That's do you true. think, do you think he's the only person in his entire entourage that can box? Yeah. I forgot about boxers hang out with boxers. And then they box. Yeah, and they're all fresh. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about the entourage. I think it was an inside job is my point. Look at you. Was that your point? That was my point. I think I think Sat Chitadilla got fucked by his ring, man. Ooh, he's going to be coming for you. <laughs> Moving on. Goaltender Patrick Waugh made his NHL debut for the Montreal Canadiens on February 23rd. Waugh! <laughs> that is how you pronounce that, yeah. Nicknamed St. Patrick, he is regarded as one of the greatest goaltenders of all time. He split his professional career between the Montreal Canadiens and the Colorado Avalanche, winning two Stanley Cups with each franchise. Nice. Yep. And then lastly, Joaquim Simone Noah was born February 25th. He is currently an NBA player for the Memphis Grizzlies. Born in New York City to a Swedish mother and a French father, he holds American, Swedish, and French citizenship. He won back-to-back NCAA championships in 2006 and 2007 with the Florida Gators. The Chicago Bulls selected Noah with the ninth overall pick in 2007. Noah is a two-time NBA All-Star and was named to the All-NBA First Team in 2014 when he was also named the NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Nice. Still got the long hair and everything? Yep. And he still shoots a knuckleball shot, yeah. What does that mean? He has a weird, weird shooting form. Like uh, when when most players shoot, you know, you end up with your hand, you know, like a like a limp limp wrist, you know, flick, and he does this thing where his hand ends up almost like upside down, palm up. Oh, it's very it's very weird. Hmm. Like oh. It's just a weird like flick of the of the ball, and it's just it's odd. 
Play us off, keyboard Joel. That's the end of the tweet. Thank God. All right. So I have Phyllis. Jesus. So as we said before, we are uh, doing a cover show. Four of the, I think, nine tracks on the Teal album uh, for our cover show part two. Ten tracks. Ten tracks? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, the first song that we're covering is Mr. Blue Sky by ELO, Electric Light Orchestra, from uh, the Out of the Blue album back in 1978. Uh, Produced and written by Jeff Lynne as a fourth and final track. Great Jeff Lynne. Yes. Of the um, Concerto for a Rainy Day Suite. Uh, They were very high concept for ELO. This This is probably their most well-known and most popular song of all time. Can you think of another? What Don't was the question? Me down. Oh, that's true. Uh, what was the question? Uh, is is Mr. Blue Sky the most popular and most well-known ELO song out there? Maybe no. now. No, evil Women. Oh, I forgot about Evil Women. Yeah. But or I, Showdown. I mean, since Guardians 2, it might be the current most popular. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Evil Woman or Don't Bring Me Down would be my picks before that. So uh, in an interview, uh, Lynn talked about writing Mr. Blue Sky after locking himself away in a Swiss chalet. Man, I wish I could do that. That'd be awesome. Right. (laughs) Uh, Attempting to write ELO's follow-up to A New World. Uh, it was dark and misty for two weeks, and I didn't come up with a thing. Suddenly the sun shone, and I was like, wow, look at those beautiful Alps. And he wrote Mr. Blue Sky and 13 other songs in the next two weeks. That's that's pretty prolific to write 13 songs in a two-week span. I mean, I don't know how flushed out they were, but... Yeah, but I, I mean, it, it, it's just, this is on my on my way to work already, you know, I want, I don't want to be walking to the office ready to kill everybody type of mood. It's on, this is on that playlist to get me out of that mood. A very happy song for ELO. Mm-hmm. It's one of Juliana's favorites. Like my daughter, Juliana, not Juliana Hatfield. Um, like she, she loves this song. Like anytime it comes on or I play it, whether it's the Weezer version or the ELO version, she'll sing along with the whole thing and just, yeah. It, it, you know, well, my my girls with the with Suzanne and the, the other two, I, I I can't do the awkward like off tune singing in the car with the three of them because we'll get three quarters into the not three quarters a quarter of the way into the song and suddenly they're doing three part harmonies and you know <laughs> it's, yep. they have a little choir that they do together when they're traveling. Yeah, Pat's Pat's been in the car when this has happened. It's really <laughs> hard to do car singing with them because you're always like, oh yeah, I'll just be quiet. <laughs> so, but I know um, you're wondering everyone out there is going Mr. Blue Sky what could that song be I've never heard it so here it is I wanted to put that solo guitar solo in there because that's probably my favorite portion of the 
song. It's just a, one of my favorite guitar solos. It's just it, one of my favorite songs, period. Yeah. I, I, I really like ELO. Um, I learned to like them from a young age. They were one of my father's favorites, and I, they become one of my favorites, and this is one of my favorite songs of theirs. So, hmm. Well, and that guitar solo is a, a bit reminiscent of like uh, Brian May. Kind of, it doesn't have the same mm. sound, but kind of the style of, I could hear that being in a Queen song almost. Yeah, I don't think I knew who ELO was until post-college. It would have been immediately post-college, though. Huh. Like the year after I moved out of the apartment, when the year I discovered them. I was, I was going to say, there's a very good chance I might have been playing them and you didn't know it. It could be, because like Nick was a huge fan. Mm-hmm. And I would have met Nick uh, right after like right when I moved back home. Yeah, Nick and I used to listen to him together. Yeah. For the longest time, I thought they were super charming. <laughs> bad cop to, to make. And then when, uh, he, when he actually did hear Super Tramp, he never identified it. It was the best <laughs> thing ever. Like, whenever Super Tramp would come on the radio, I'm like, Mike, what band is this? And he was I, I don't know. That's Super Mike Tramp, Mike. Damn it! Like, why <laughs> didn't I just guess it? Like, from now on, whenever anybody asks, asks me what band it is, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be hardcore rap. I'm like, Super Tramp. <laughs> That's my first guess. Took a weird turn. At least it's not Tom Petty. Wait. Okay, Pat's the only. One. Okay, do you remember? Do you remember driving yeah, with Suzanne yeah, yeah, and Sarah? Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're getting very deep. Yeah, we're getting all right. Two for two for Tuesdays. All right. <laughs> so the next well, song. Wait. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I, I I was familiar with their other stuff. I didn't know who it was, but you know you've heard the songs before. But this one I was the first song I identified with them, and I wouldn't have even have wouldn't have even known it until they uh, are. Until they started playing in, in just about every movie that comes out lately, it seems mm-hmm. like. I'd like to say that I was the one who introduced this song to my children, but unfortunately not. It's some really terrible British cartoon movie called Dougal. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, it's awful. It's the worst CGI you've ever seen. The story is inane, but it opens with this song. And I was like, I was in a crux because I'm like, oh, this movie sucks. But the song is so good, and I really want them to learn to like this song. <laughs> so, but yeah, they're like, "Oh, it's a song from Dougal." I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's right." Do your girls do that too? Because both my kids are like, if if a song comes on and I'm like, "How do you know this?" They're like, "Oh, it's from whatever movie." Oh yeah. And I'm like, well, I mean, I guess better they know it than not know it. Yeah, I, that's that's the thing with mine. They they know the majority of their songs out is soundtracks. Yep. So. All right, so the next song we have on the list, as we said before, Everybody Wants to Rule the World by Tears for Fears from the album Songs from the Big Chair back in 1985, uh, released by Phonogram, Mercury, and Vertigo Record, and it was the third single from their second album. Uh, And uh, themes on the song of desire of humans to have control and power and corruption. Music critics praised Everybody Wants to Rule the World in respect, retrospective reviews. Uh, also came out with the, I think, a little bit more popular Shout. Uh, was one of the other ones that you know from from them. It was written by Roland Orsbal and Stan, Ian Stanley and Chris Hughes uh, produced it. And it was revealed that the song was a last-minute addition uh, to songs from the big chair. And it came from uh, after Orsbal played two chords on his acoustic guitar for Hughes. Uh, then they two chords. That's like a very short amount of music for them to be. Well, if he's only playing two chords, the song could have been longer. But if he's just playing two chords and that's it, it's you know essentially a a punk song. You know, four chords, no waiting. Uh, okay, okay. I was just thinking. Yeah. Like strum, strum. Oh wow, that's awesome. 
No, just repeti- <laughs> repetitively playing two chords back and forth. Got it. Like, I mean, that makes much yeah. more sense. But it's like how, you know, Sweet Child of Mine got started by Slash playing uh, warm up chords. You know? Right. And yeah. he's like, oh, that's cool. We should do that. And he's like, I'm just warming up, dude. <laughs> so uh, in interviews, uh, Hughes admitted that as a piece of recording history, the song is bland as hell. So good on you, Hughes, for recognizing. Um,. But he also, Hughes convinced Orzabal to record it and calculated effort to gain American chart success. And the shuffle beat, uh, the the shuffle beat used in the song was alien to their way to, of writing music and was jolly rather than square and rigid in the manner of shout. I don't understand what any of that meant. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a different sound for their yeah. what they were going for. All right, so. Anyway, Joel, I'm just going to throw to you whenever they're talking music words, and I don't understand it. So, here you go. gladly sing along with this song every time it comes on the radio but really i'm nothing this song it's not the best tears for fear song out there but it's the see, one that everybody knows see for me i have a crystal clear imprinted lifetime memory of the first time i heard this song really yeah it would have been uh 1987 uh early spring uh, i i know the exact date because it was the first time i went to mexico with my family and uh, we were sitting at a restaurant called La Pirata, uh, and I had my first ever bacon-wrapped filet mignon because they were super cheap at that restaurant. And I'm eating the, the like my eyes are opening to this new world of awesome bacon-wrapped steak. <laughs> I've got a cold squirt in the bottle in front of me, and I hear the song for the first time eating with my family. <laughs> that is an amazing story, and I cannot say you're wrong in that. <laughs> like I will always remember that dinner. Like I insisted we go back to La Pirata, which I picked just because it was called the pirate. Nice. <laughs> that was the, the reason I picked the restaurant. And my dad saw how cheap filet mignon was and he ordered it. And I was like, dad thinks this is awesome. I'm ordering it too. And it was awesome. That's fantastic. Well, and it also explains your lifelong obsession with squirt. Well, oh, we knew that sure. already. Like, yeah, it trips to Mexico where if you wanted Coke or Pepsi, it was in a tin can and it tasted weird. But Squirt was in a glass bottle, so it was delicious. Yeah, absolutely. That's how it happened. Squirt is never delicious. It's awesome. Oh. I remember Josh's fascination with Squirt. <laughs> <laughs> I really I really hope nobody like just randomly scrubs into this podcast. I'm like, I, I remember Josh's fascination with Squirt. <laughs> already? Um, I, I, I know if I remember correctly, Pat's not a, a huge fan of this song either, but I, I love this song. Um, I'm not the biggest tears for fears fan. Um, I'm trying to think the song new star from threesome and shout probably the only three that I'm really familiar with. Well, and this being a third, but I love this song whenever it comes on, it just makes me happy. I don't know. I know it's simple and it's kind of repetitive, but. Well, I mean, that's that's I think is the reason why everybody loves it. It's one of those where you you know the song, the range isn't too out of there. Everybody can sing along with it, 
you know, I mean, it's not as dire as Shout. Uh, personally, I, I, you know, this type of music, Tears for Fears and all that new wave stuff is all right in my wheelhouse. I'm yep. more of a fan of, uh, if you can go my favorite Tears for Fears song, I'd go probably Head Over Heels. Um, but no, it's, it's a, it's just a cool little fun driving song, you know? Yes, definitely a good car song. Yeah. It's a road sure. trip song that everybody in the car can sing along with, you know, and that's not a bad yeah. thing to be. And that's why I say I nothing this song. I don't hate it, you know, or anything. I just and I don't really love it. It's just it's a song that's there. I'll I don't change a channel for it or anything. I'll sing along with it. All right. But I'm definitely waiting for the next song. Oh, oh. Yes. oh my God! El Pirata is still open. Pro <laughs> trip. <laughs> How much is the filet mignon? I don't know. <laughs> we got to get down there and see. Is it cheaper yeah. than a good Mexican squirt? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, four, so the, the 14 part of 40 going on 14 shows up kicked right in right there all right so the next song africa by toto which if you have not heard it in this year i don't know what you've been doing um a couple months ago uh well we'll get into the remake for now but uh africa by toto came out on toto 4 uh, released May May 10th, 1982 in Europe and 1982 in October in U.S. Uh, original idea came from David Page. He was playing around with the new keyboard, CS80, and found a brassy sound that became the opening riff. Ten minutes later, he completed the melody and lyrics for the chorus. Yeah. Shocking that this <laughs> song was written in ten minutes. <laughs> it's, um, it, Page, who at the time had never set foot in Africa, based on the landscape descriptions from an article in National Geographic, Jeff Paracco explains the idea behind the song is a white boy trying to write a song on Africa, but since he's never been there, he can only tell what he's seen on TV or remember in the past. I think that is a revisionist history description that he gave in an interview after he realized, oh, I didn't sound cool, I sounded douchey because I didn't know geography. <laughs> So he's like, oh, I'm just making, I'm trolling as a kid thing. It's a st- stupid st- kid wrote it, not me. Whatever. I hate this song. What? Jesus. Wow. We've had this discussion before. This is not a surprise. Well, I mean, he's not wrong because Kilimanjaro raising above the Serengeti is not a thing. That's a, and that's a douchey line. I mean, that, that some guy would write, you know, in college, the, the guy, at the, the guitar guy at the party would write that song. It definitely is someone who is over-romanticizing a place that he has no connection to. That said, I love the song anyway. Like, I try not to think too much about, like, what it says about the narrator of the song. Mm. I just, I love the chorus. Yeah, I mean, and, and musically, it's a fun song to listen to. Yes. It's a very pleasant song. Ah, oh, fuck fun. It's got, <laughs> it's, it's got a good structure. It's got a nice little hook. And I, I, I mean, I don't ever think too much about what he's saying. I just sing along with it and go, I really like this song. But I don't totally understand the explosion of it over the past couple of years. But, eh. Well, so uh, here's some more trivia for you here. On January 2019, a sound installation was set up in an undisclosed location in the Nyam Desert to play the song in a constant loop. The installation is powered by solar batteries, allowing the song to be played indefinitely. So, you know, somebody's like traversing the desert. I'm like, do you hear Africa? <laughs> like, 
I, it's, like, I'm, it's like I'm losing my mind. I, I, do you smell? Do you smell toast in here, Africa? <laughs> <laughs> it's but, an yeah. audio mirage. But yes, so let's get a little Africa action here. Here we go. What? He turned to me as if to say, "Hurry, boy, it's waiting there for you." Patrick? Yeah. You're wrong. That's a great song. It it's is a, a great song. It's not a well-written song, but it's a great song. It's not well it's, if it's not well-written it's not great. Like it can't be great if like one of the main components of a great song is not good. That but it's not but well being having good lyrics is not a gr- can mix you can have a song with not great lyrics and still be great. No, you can't. It's just stupid fun. That's like saying you 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 can have a great basketball player without legs. No, you can't. That's racist. <laughs> Jesus. All right, closing that out is is Joel. All right, so the next song we're covering is No Scrubs by TLC from the album Fan Mail back in 1999, uh, just grazing the edge of the then for us. Uh, it was on their third album, and the lyrics posit that a man who does not own an automobile is a scrub. Is that a thing? And has no no automobile, no money, lives with his mom. Basically me. Oh. Yeah. Also no. known as a buster. <laughs> no also wonder Pat chose this one. Buster. Uh, so this song was written by Kevin Shakespeare Briggs, along former Escape members Candy Burris and Tamika Tiny Cottle. Who can forget Tiny Cottle? TC. True. Uh, <laughs> That's what you went by. I'm not. I, they think I'm you're just, kidding, Josh. I'm yeah. just gonna. I'm not. I don't think you're kidding. I just default to you, man. That's Josh says it's cool. It's cool. Uh, so no scrubs is the first time we're in Jones. Chili Thomas took the sole lead vocals on any TLCL TLC single. Sorry, uh, when international success was their third number one single and eighth top ten on the Billboard Hot 100, and also earned them their second Grammy Award nomination. For the year, uh, it's one of their signature songs and was the second biggest Hot 100 single of 1999, only behind Shares Believe, which is trash. I hate that song. Me too. Yes. So, uh, but not talking about Share anymore. We are also going to talk about TLC a little bit more. So, uh, there was after TS TLC. Why can't I say that? Released No Scrubs in 1999. <laughs> For some reason or another, a band called Sporty Thieves made an answer song called No Pigeons that same year. So what the hell is a pigeon? Also known as a buster. (laughs) Something like a chicken head, probably. What? Yeah, I was kind of curious. I didn't ever go listen to it, but I was kind of curious as well what a a pigeon was. Doing the pigeon. (laughs) 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 You sideswipe me with Bert. All right, so Joel dug really deep on the trivia on this one, so No Scrubs was played on the prom episode of Moesha. 
Oh. Yeah. So uh, Gemi Industries made a line of toys that sings this song. Uh, it was sold at Hot Topic and Spencer Gifts. For three years straight. For three years. Uh, and going back to Sopranos, the song was played and sung along with uh, by Meadow Soprano and her friend in the kitchen during season two, episode through three of Toodle Fucking Ooh of the HBO series The Sopranos. You're having problem with uh, oh, acronyms. Yeah, I'm having. I hope we don't have any more songs. TCL, HBO, H- Toodle Fucking Ooh. All right, either way, here's uh, No Scrubs. This may be one of the songs that I've done like the biggest from hated it to loved it, maybe ever. Because when this first came out, I despised this song. Well, they played the hell out of it. Well, and it wasn't just that I hated TLC because I didn't. Like, I instantly, first time I heard it, liked Waterfalls. But this song, for some reason, filled me with a completely out of proportion with whether it was good or bad rage. (laughs) And like within like 15 years, I slowly warmed up to it. Now I really like it. I've almost almost done the same trajectory. I didn't have as much of a hatred, but I didn't like it. And now I kind of don't hate it. You know, it's like I I, I appreciate it now. Honestly, it took Weezer to make me appreciate this song. I, I like I love Waterfalls is a great song. And, you know, they were talented young ladies, but uh, I don't know. This one never, I never just kind did of it like, for oh. you. Yeah. I was like, man, good time. The main thing I liked about this song back in the day was how much women liked it. Honestly. I mean. That's because they were singing about you, Patrick. See, it, was, it wasn't that they were singing the song before you showed up. You showed up and they started singing the song. That's not quite true. I mean, this, this was, I'm talking. This, Is it though? I'm talking when this song was popular. <laughs> like when I actually, you know, were appealing to women. You know? Yeah, you weren't just. I haven't. I haven't always been a middle-aged fat guy, Mike. <laughs> well, well, my memory's way off. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck all you guys. <laughs> Born at thirty-five, Patrick Whaley was a. The talent is out. <laughs> <laughs> we no, did that years ago. You can't be out because we have a bonus track. We do. We do. Oh, haven't you? Yeah, check it out. Here we go. I just saw that in the show. Bonus track. Here we go. That's the wrong one. Anyway, it's supposed to be hash pipe. No, that is hash pipe. That is hash pipe. But hang on. No, but this is hash pipe by Weezer. He wanted. He grabbed the wrong hash pipe. Yeah, I do too. 
Uh, lead and I think sing- I see where Mike's going with this. Yeah. Uh, lead singer Rivers Cuomo calls this a totally insane song about a homosexual transvestite prostitute. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. this, um, I'm <laughs> the trivia, song's content, the record label did not want to release this as their first single. The band fought them on it and won. This was produced by Rick Ocasek of The Cars and mm-hmm. uh, The Honey Drippers. Uh, the sumo wrestlers in the music video are real. Nine of them are real wrestler, wrestlers. The other three are just fat. <laughs> so, uh, and the tour to support the album that this was on was called the Extended Midget Tour. So the reason I put this on there is because this is a going to be a cover that was done by someone that Weezer covered in the second half of the show. So, so they're bringing it back around. Bringing it around. All right. So... But honestly, like Josh said, I do love this song. It is a fun, crazy-ass song about a homosexual transvestite prostitute. Yeah. Weezer's always a pretty safe bet that, you know, it, it's kind of like pizza. Even if it's not the best, it's still pretty good. Right on. All right, so we will be back in a little bit, and we are going to go over the Weezer Teal album covers and uh, find out what the situation is with the bonus track. We'll be back in a little bit. All right, we are back, and we mm-hmm. are going to cover the uh, songs that we just did off Weezer's Teal album, released in January of 2019. Uh, it is the 12th studio album by Weezer, uh, released by Crush Music and Atlanta Records. With uh, came out retail, digital first, retail on March for the people that still like those CDs and things. Uh, some mixed reviews on this one, praising the self-aware frivolousness. Is that how you say that? Frivolousness? Frivolousness. Frivolousness, yeah. While others criticize the arrangements. So pretty much normal for any release of a Weezer album. Some people love it, some people hate it. Uh, it covered uh, everything from Africa, like we said, the actual song list. Uh, Africa, Everybody Wants to Rule the World, Sweet Dreams Are Made of This, uh, Take on Me, Happy Together, Paranoid, Mr. Blue Sky, No Scrubs, Billy Jean by Michael Jackson, and Stand By Me by Ben E. King. Uh, it peaked at number five in its second week on the Billboard 200 and debuted at number 47 the previous week. And in its first, I don't know, first full tracking week, it debuted with 39,000 album equivalent units. What the hell does that mean? Hey. Maybe downloads? Yeah, that's how they well, track downloads oh. for sales. Why the right. fuck don't they say downloads? Well, like, it's... Like, because if you do gold records, you're talking albums sold, but the uh, downloads don't quite translate. Mm. Like, it, it would be 390,000 downloads. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Because there's 10 tracks or whatever. That's like a rough estimate type of thing. And they would just have to come up with an, basically a new form of measurement. A conversion, yeah. 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 Okay. So, uh, following the release of Weezer's 11th album, Pacific Daydream, uh, internet fan campaign camp. What is wrong with me? Campaign, campaign, internet fan campaign. Apparently, my alliteration is broken. Uh, so, a internet fan campaign kicked in to get Weezer to cover Africa by Toto. I remember this. It went on for a few weeks, and then finally, uh. Weezer said, hey, we're going to cover a, a Toto song, and they released a cover of Rosanna, and the internet went nuts. 
because it wasn't what the internet wanted. Uh, they released their Africa cover in May of 2018, and it hit the Billboard Hot 100 and peaked at number one on the Alt Songs chart. Uh, Teal was unexpectedly released without prior promotion or advertisement, which is probably pretty smart for them. Yeah, I actually remember the day this came out, I listened to it in the classroom because it was trending all over social media and both of us who are staff in the room like Weezer quite a bit and love cover songs. Uh, so we pretty much immediately, I think he had it through Apple Music and immediately like played it over the speakers through his phone. Nice. Uh, so to promote the album, Weezer released a teal Velcro wallet on their website, with the first 100 copies sold, including a dollar bill signed by all the band members. The Velcro wallets sold out immediately, and Weezer said, let's do that again, so they made a teal Rubik's Cube and uh, sold that, which I don't know if you can still get those in case you want a Rubik's Cube that you can solve very easily, maybe? Is it Velcro as well? Yes, it's a Velcro Rubik's Cube, Joel. Is it every side teal? Maybe. Sounds like it. Joel, get on that. Solve, yeah. So uh, the band's cover of No Scrubs received significant social media attention, trending on Twitter and sparking both sincere and ironic reactions from fans. Uh, Teal so te- oh, God, <laughs> why can I not say it's three freaking letters? T L C. They're not tough. It's English. I know English. I've been speaking it. Uh-huh. Are you sure? Not may I don't know. At this point, I don't know anything anymore. But I do know that Rosanda Chili Thomas, who sang the lead vocal, as we said on the or- original version, uh, openly praised their rendition, declaring it awesome, and it would be even better if we sang it with you. So uh, at co- at uh, the 2019 Coachella, Weezer brought out uh, TS- TLC. <laughs> that band's... <laughs> <laughs> Why is this my kryptonite? <laughs> Mine's potato salad. <laughs> Mine's actually kryptonite. <laughs> Mine is the gripping loneliness of existence. Oh, Patrick is lonely. <laughs> um, so anyway, at Coachella, they brought out uh, TLC... Uh, Chili to come out and sing with them along with Tears for Fears and they did a live version of No Scrubs and Everybody Wants to Rule the World which sounds pretty awesome that would be pretty cool honestly if I would ever want to go to Coachella it would be cool to see that wouldn't it just be TC that they brought out too late Patrick too late uh, There, I don't approve but I see <sighs> I'm going to burn down your house please <laughs> wow we're getting dark um, so, uh, in the all music did a review of the album, uh, Stephen Thomas Erlewine wrote that taken on strictly musical terms, the teal album is pretty anodyne stuff. Weezer replicates the arrangements of beloved songs, add a bit more fuzz on the guitar solos and flattens the vocal affectations, which amounts to one weird trick. Weezer doesn't attempt to make the songs their own, yet these versions are unmistakably sounding like Weezer. How can I say affectations and anodyne, but can't say TLC? <laughs> oh, I wish you'd have messed it up right there. I, if, I, if, if I had, that would have been amazing. <laughs> uh, Joel has uh, actually confirmed for us that the teal Rubik's Cube is teal on all sides. It is teal. Yeah. How avant-garde. I know, right? How very Weezer of them. Yes. So anyway. Uh, the I find it really hard. Spoilers. Uh-oh. I find it really hard to disagree with that review of the album. 
Huh. See, I don't know. As soon as the guy used the word anodyne in the first sentence, I immediately wanted to punch him in the face. Well, I'm not <laughs> saying he's not worthy of that, but I mean, I well, still find it hard to disagree with his name is Stephen Thomas Erlewine. So, I mean, of course it is. <laughs> I, I guarantee what else could it be? He's got an NPR show. <laughs> I, I can already see the scarf in the summer and the horn rim glasses. <laughs> he rides to work on, on a penny farthing. <laughs> Actually, you're wrong. He's like 46 years old. That doesn't stop any of the other things from happening. Yeah, you can still wear a scarf if you're over 40. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Mike sold all his scarves. Are you telling me my neck has been cold for the last six years for no reason? <laughs> for no reason at all. <laughs> oh. oh, God. Okay, so covering them in order. <laughs> things that we... <laughs> what was the first freaking song? I completely my brain... Mr. Blue Sky. All right, Mr. Blue Not Sky. TLC, you're fine. As long as Mr. Blue Sky by Weezer. Mr. Blue Sky, tell us why you had to hide away for so long. Mr. Blue Sky, tell us why you had to hide away for so All right, I kind of twisted it up that one because I wanted to hear the uh, lyrics first, but the solo second. But it sounds dirtier. Yeah, it's got that Weezer affectation, just mm. like that critic said. Oh, look at you with your it's fancy very, words. <laughs> it's minimalistic fuzz, though. It's not. I mean, no, it, capable of a lot more. I, th- this song is indicative, and believe me, I'm not saying I don't like them. I I like them just fine, but it's indicative of of all their songs. I listened to the entire album before this. Every single one of them, they're perfectly good covers. The two things that that I, I generally don't like covers, the two things that will make me like a cover is whether it's like a completely new reinvention or it's like a a note for note homage. Homage, yeah, exactly. And this is definitely the in the homage portion, but it's in the you know, it's it's in the portion of like the Vince Vaughn you know remaking of Psycho, where it's like you know, did we really need it? I mean, it. it I'm, I don't dislike it, and but they didn't really add anything at all, and they just did pretty much Weezer versions of every song, is and they didn't add anything other than their own sound to it. Not they didn't change up any of the um, arrangements, arrangements or anything. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is that's exactly what it says on the package. These are covers by Weezer. They sound like covers by Weezer. You know, I, I don't think that's an indictment of it musically or otherwise. I don't either, but I'm just saying, like, I mean, did we need that? That's my, that's all I'm saying. Well, I mean, if if and I would see a lot more like if this had been hyped and a big deal, I, I would give a lot more weight to that argument. But for something that dropped out of the sky with literally no marketing, just like appeared on the Internet, it's like maybe we didn't need it, but like we got it and I'm pretty happy we have it. Yeah, I mean, I I would I would agree with that for sure. I mean, it's it's not like a you know it's not bad by any stretch. No, it I mean it it is literally Weezer covering it. I mean, and you get what you pay for. Well, and then not to mention, just a couple weeks later, they dropped the Black album. Um, so it was 
you know, just kind of a fun little uh, addition to their catalog based on, you know, essentially the internet saying, hey, do this song. Well, and that's exactly what this album is. It's a, we're Weezer, sure, let's just do this for fun. Yeah, I, I they do everything for fun. That's well, the rock stars. So yeah, yeah, they're 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 like a more serious version of the bare naked ladies. I can go with that. But I agree with I I, I agree with um, you, Patrick, in the in the sense that if I hear a cover song, I'd like them to do something that makes it a bit more their own. And at times, it's hard to differentiate the original from the the cover, but. I still love this album. I've listened to it several times over. And the only problem I have with it is the way that they finish the songs, which I don't know if you caught yeah. on to that when you finally heard it. What I, I, I didn't catch on to anything. I tried to listen for something that was like there was a fart at the end or something like that. But I don't know what you're talking about. They just kind of stop. There's no like trailing off or, you know, it gets quieter or it leads into the next song or anything. It just kind of dun, dun, dun the end you know <laughs> i know i get what he's saying and i think that kind of comes from uh the fact that this was almost designed and marketed as a, an internet album where mm. you almost don't look at it as an album but a bunch of individual covers and most of the time it's going to be consumed that way yes that's that's a perfect way of looking at it that it's just individual songs that you can either buy one or you can buy all but they're all going to be separate from each other. So you don't have to have everything in order to have a part of it. And you don't have to listen to them in any specific order. No. Yeah. And that makes, oh, that yeah, makes absolutely. sense. Yeah. You can hit random on this album and just be just as happy. So the next song we had was what? Well, our, we're what saving the Africa for the end. Yeah. Right? Everybody wants to rule the world. That's physical okay. by Olivia Newton, John. Yes. They just covered it. And I have a, that would be awesome if I did, but I don't. I don't. Uh, so Weezer covering Tears for Fears. stuff yeah i'm a big fan of the original song mostly due to memories but i like this one as much and i think in some ways it might be more interesting than the original i that's that's funny that you say that because i was going to say this is probably the only one that i like more than the original his voice there there his voice is not as flat as the original one there's more inflection in his voice and more change in the tone while he's singing versus the just straight out you know, uh, direness of the first one. And I think I just like the music, the, the arrangement a little bit better in this one. Yeah. But you know, it's still essentially identical, you yeah. know? Oh yeah. Um, but I, I love this version of the song again. It's, it's not like it's a huge, crazy, crazy departure where they're like, you know, or anything like that. But, um, it makes me just as happy as, as the original does whenever I, I hear it. And um, it's funny listening to it on on headphones. 
it sounds a bit different than if you put it in your car. Like that's where I've listened to it is in my car. Um, or, you know, okay. Lauren, I go in and do something and we'll listen to it. And I don't notice as much difference as when I do with the headphones on listening to it now. It's kind of interesting. Explain. Well, I, I can hear more of the, uh, the uh, river's voice being a bit more distinct and I can hear a lot more of, the actual guitars sounding oh. differently. And maybe it's just that I'm hearing the originals right on top of the remake, but you know, it sounds like it sounds more like a different song. Mm. You pick up more of the nuance with headphones on. It, it, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Indubitably <laughs> TCL for the win. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well played, but fuck you just the same. <laughs> All right. So next one up. We are going back to Africa. So this is the one that triggered this whole album. Uh, the one that the internet wanted. And uh, this is what they got. And the one that triggered Pat. say the nice thing about these covers is it's a lot easier to understand the lyrics yes. oh my god and and the, totally understandable in uh, paranoid at, yeah that's the big one everyone will go to on that for sure that's the first time i ever understood what the hell was being said in that song and i was like oh my god that's what this song is about <laughs> <laughs> and you got to give credit to rivers that uh, on his version of take on me the dude hits those notes no problem having done that song karaoke that is no me feat yeah. yeah, I was thoroughly impressed. I never thought of Rivers as being like an amazing singer, but uh, that changed my opinion. Nice. But anyway, Africa. So this is the one that the internet wanted. This one kind of took over for a while. This was all over the freaking place, including Weird Al Yankovic in their music video doing an accordion solo, mm-hmm. <laughs> which which was great. Uh, and also there's um, on Reddit there was a short stint of um, uh, writing ideas on one of the writing ideas, subreddits about vampires in Africa that can't leave the house because they they're stuck in their lairs because the uh, rains in Africa have been blessed. It's kind of weird. There's a lot of like short stories on uh, the, one of the writing uh, subreddits on that was kind of strange and funny at the same time. I, Kind of like this one better than the original. It's enjoyable. I mean, again, it's not a huge departure, but it's it, cleaner. The whole album is very clean, very well, sterile. Yeah, well, and I, I want to say sterile, but I mean, put well put together. You know, it's not. It, it is less. Let's just see where this song goes, and here we're going to do a kick-ass version of this song. You know, I don't prefer this over the original, and it's mostly because, uh, for me, the uh, two-part harmonies aren't quite as distinct. What I love about the original is that whether you're high voice or low voice, the melody changes. Usually you've got, like, it's always who's singing the high part is the melody, or always who's singing the low 
uh, part is the melody and the other singers harmonizing in the original. It's very clear that the melody changes between the two singers and that I don't get that cool little shift in, in the chorus with this version. That said, I really like this version. I just don't like it as much as the original. Is Rivers doing both parts? I don't think I, I'm so. Not sure, but I'm not sure either. Like His voice is very, very distinct, as opposed to the uh, almost perfect blending, for my tastes, in the original. I, I still don't get the, uh, the internet going crazy over this song but um me either yeah i don't understand the internet going crazy over anything it goes crazy over well it is kind of a meme i think because there are a lot like at the time the internet started going nuts about this song i mean i'm in a high school classroom and my students several of them are super into the song or at least were and i think it's just like someone thought it was funny to like this song ironically kept posting it and some people just went along with the joke and some people had never heard it before. And were like, you know, this song's actually kind of awesome. Even if we're kind of liking it to make fun of it. Well, and it, it speaks to the, the, you know, the times that we're in now that something that started out, you know, as a small little ripple turned into this big wave that turned into a response that became an, an entire album mm-hmm. that then has its own responses that we'll get to here momentarily. Um, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it, it just, it's, it's kind of blows my mind a little bit how one thing can turn into something like this. And it's, I'm glad cause I am happy that this album exists. Well, we live very much in an instant gratification culture. So it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take much to get your, your wants and likes known to the people that can make things happen anymore. And I mean, you have direct Twitter feeds to your stars now. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot easier to, to let them know what you want as a consumer. And I think when you've got the memification of music, there is a big, like, do we like this because we like this? Or do we like this because we hate it? I don't even know anymore, dude. Just play the <laughs> song. Yeah. I, who cares? It's, you know, it's decent, mu- decent music. I mean, it's Weezer covering a great song. Well, talk about instant gratification, Pat. I think of the David Harbour bit where the girl says, you know, um, take my senior photos with me. And he's like, get 25,000 likes and I will. She did. He did. And now we have these amazing photos of <laughs> David Harbour with this girl in her senior photos. You know, I, I, I'm happy that it exists. I, it makes everybody kind of it makes the world a little smaller in a good way. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, sorry. Yes. So. Uh, as we move on, uh, we move on to uh, No Scrubs. She reminds me of a very talented guy doing karaoke. You know, that's actually the first place I went uh, with this too. And it's mostly because there's something kind of magical when a guy straight faced 
uh, is able to pull off a karaoke song that was originally done by a female artist or artists. And usually it brings the house down. Mm-hmm. Well, like, and this is, Oh, good. I was just gonna say, I've seen that done to great effect, uh, at karaoke and it made me, uh, put like a prayer into my rotation. Nice. I was like, everybody freaking loves it when a guy does this without like, he, he, I'm being cute. Like if you actually just do one of those songs and you kill it, everyone listening loves it. Well, and this, this song is an example of what I'm thinking Patrick might agree with me here of what, uh, makes a cover song. Interesting is where you're taking something that is one thing and kind of turning it into something else. Now, granted the arrangement is the same, but you have a guy singing it and it, it feels like the same song, but not. Yeah. I would agree with that. And, and one thing that I can at least respect is like when, the, when somebody does that, but they flip the lyrics around, you know, to where, you know, like, like if he had flipped the lyrics around to where it's a guy singing, he doesn't want any female scrubs. It, it would have taken away from it. They just own it that you're, you're singing a song from a, from the other gender's point of view, whatever. Like when people have to always change the, the lyrics to fit, I'm, I'm blanking on any examples right now, but um, there are there are plenty of cover songs out there. Detachable penis. Nobody's covered that. Well, that you know. I don't know a cover version of that song. Yes. I was hoping we were just going to not acknowledge that he had said that. And just shame him with with silence. I'm talking with King. Anyway. I'm not saying that's. The point is <laughs> that he made us imagine a song named Detachable Vagina, and now I can't stop imagining it. <laughs> I didn't, but I am now. Right? <laughs> Weezer, make it happen. <laughs> My point being, I do appreciate that he just sang the song as written, rather than turning it into, you know... A detachable vagina. And I, I oh love this my version. Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to revel in this. How did I end up in the Josh role here? <laughs> I, I oh, shut up with your detachable vagina and get on with the... Oh, man. You know I can't pass up an opportunity to frustrate you so completely. <laughs> uh, it's not like it's some this, T- this is, TCL or something like that. Yeah. This is one of the standout songs on the album, though. It really is. I mean, I, I, I enjoy them all, um, but this one, it definitely, it kind of stands alone um, when you're listening to it. It kind of jumps out at you and goes, hey, I'm TLC. And he covers him. I mean, China. musically, it's not like you've got guy voice singing women's women's song type of thing. I mean, his, his lyric, his uh, notes are pretty damn smooth in that. Yes. Yeah. It's got, he's very... Very smooth. He's smooth. It's a slow jam. What is happening? You have no idea. Also known as a buster. Thank you for the deadbeat ass. All right, we have come to the end of the ones that are on the track, and we have the bonus track. So uh, after Weezer covered Africa, uh, Toto got together and was like, wait a second. We're relevant. We're relevant again. <laughs> Suddenly people are coming to see us that are like under 40. What the hell? And uh, they were like, all right, fine. You're going to cover Africa. We're going to cover Hashpipe.
Um, I don't know if the first time I saw this was off of a um, cell phone camera. They did this in on one of their concerts with like two drum kits and three guitarists, and it's pretty damn good. Well, yeah. and it's fun. It's fun that they have it. It's almost like a um, like a diss track. They're not dissing each other, but you know where somebody makes a diss track and then they go back and forth. It's kind of that same thing where. You know, Weezer did it, so Toto's like, hey, well, we're going to do this back at you. And then I think, if I remember correctly, Weird Al then <laughs> did, did uh, his own version of one of their songs, too, or both of them, remember. But, um, Wait, Weird Al covered Toto? Yeah, I don't remember if he covered Toto or if he covered um, Weezer. But Weird Al got in on it, too, at some point. See, and that's fun. And that's, yeah, exactly. It is just a fun time to kind of watch music happen. So, yeah, so apparently... Um... Weird Al joined uh, Weezer on stage to cover Africa. And then after that one, that's when um, Toto decided that they were going to cover the Hashpipe song. And I saw the video of it. I mean, they're okay for a bunch of old farts. They can still cut it. They're still doing all right. I, I would agree. I also think this is pretty cool that it is uh, a song by Toto that does not sound like it was done by Toto. Mm hmm. But very much like the Weezer songs of theirs, there wasn't really a whole lot added to it. It's just, you know, a good, solid cover. Yeah. Yeah, and there's nothing That's wrong fair. with that. No, it just, you know, it doesn't, it's not going to blow anybody's skirt up, but it's not going to offend anybody either. It's just fun. No, and then I think yeah. that's the reason why they did it in concert instead of doing it in the studio. It was one of those, you know, hey, they did our song. We're going to do their song. Let's see where it goes and that sort of thing. And that was, and in the video that I saw, the crowd went nuts for it, so... And it's got to be fun for artists just to sometimes sing another artist's stuff. Yeah. And just wait. Like, in a, a couple of weeks from now, Toto's going to drop their cover album. And uh, we'll have to do another one. <laughs> do we, though? <laughs> Toto. Of Toto covering other songs? Uh, yeah, probably not. But. It's going to be Toto covering Tito Puente. <laughs> <laughs> Toto covers Tito. Toto on Tito. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you know, I I'd probably give it a couple tracks before I figure out what the hell was going on. Um, so th- do we want to do thumbs up, thumbs down on this? I mean, let's just do thumbs up, thumbs down on the teal album. Okay, uh, as a whole, yeah. But I, I I definitely think it's a thumbs up. I mean, it's something that I can put on anytime, anywhere, and enjoy it, and it's just it's just fun. Mm-hmm. One of the nice things about it, when I put it on while we were driving, is getting to introduce the girls to the turtles. I know you mean the band, but I know. <laughs> it still made me laugh. <laughs> Here's Raphael, Michelangelo, yeah. Donatello. Do you know the turtles? Yeah, Dad, we've been watching them for years. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, it's a good, solid album. I mean, it's not the best thing they've ever done, but it's a fun, you know, kind of off, one-off, we in, did this for fun album. So. And that kind of shines through. That's the, the the thing about it. Is it? It just it's a band having a good time. Yeah, that's pretty, always fun. Pretty good. <laughs> so, Josh, what do you say? I mean, I was a pretty big proponent of this from the beginning, and it has not changed. I'm still having a lot of fun with it. Glad we talked about it today. Right on, Joel. What yes. are we doing next week? Next week, are you ready for some football? No, 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 no. That's I don't think that's what we're doing. We are. We're we're talking about the longest yard. 
Yeah, kind of. Longest year. Football. Are you ready for some prison football? (laughs) (laughs) Don't drop the soap. (laughs) It's It's definitely about football. Yeah. Yeah, we are going to cover uh, the original Longest Yard from 1974 and 2005 for next week's show. With, um, yeah, um, Burt Reynolds. Oh, God. You knew we were going to do it. Get ready for it, boys. That's why why you didn't want to do the Longest Yard show. Oh, and I didn't even know. Oh, (laughs) wait for my Adam Sandler. You you knew deep in your heart you knew. Football is better. Somehow I always knew. (laughs) Water is stupid. Um, All right, so if you have thoughts about any of the cover songs, like maybe there was one that was on the Teal album that you really wish we'd have talked about instead of the four we did, give us a call. Let us know at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-528. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) What? I I tried to give out my cell phone number there for a second. 708-TCL, yeah. 708-669-9727. Hang on. (laughs) I'm writing this in the show notes. Well, I, I only gave the first three digits, so. If, no, you didn't. Yeah. You gave the first six. <laughs> Seven oh eight. Yeah, and there's like yeah, area code, Joe. a dozen people out there. They're going to. Oh, okay. Anyway. So if you're looking for our older stuff, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, PopRoseFM, NewFM.com, and other places. Again, like Pat <laughs> says, if you can't find us, you ain't looking. Nope. <laughs> and uh, come on back next week when we uh, talk about our yards. Well, somebody's got to have the longest one. Oh. Maybe with. But, but get, not girth. I get no complaints. I don't know what to say to this anymore. <laughs> anyway, thank you for listening. Have a yard. And <laughs> Pat has a patch. <laughs> it's detachable. <laughs> we'll be back detachable next. Detachable patches. <laughs> I can never run for office if you if you put that up. That was on the yeah. list. I mean, was, <laughs> I don't think that's your biggest problem. I mean, with office, it might be. Well, I don't think it's your biggest problem in general, actually. <laughs>